The stage is set for the World Juniors medal round, and it's an instant classic. Canada against the USA. This is On The Rise Podcast, Season 2. Listen now on all major platforms, as well as midtownradio.ca, weekends at 10 a.m. Welcome your host, Sam Donzik and Evan Brown. Welcome to episode 43 of On The Rise Podcast. It's hot out of the oven. The World Junior Semifinals just happened a night ago as of recording this. Starting off, we had Canada destroying and dominating the Russians 5-0. Uh, what is your kind of thoughts on this game, Sam? I don't know if you watched it or not, but uh, what were your thoughts on this game? What was your reaction to Canada just destroying the Russians? And uh, what do you expect from both teams going forward? I was honestly surprised because I didn't expect Russia to come out so flat. Canada came out very strong. They scored three quick goals, three goals in the first period, which I think was pretty much the ultimate killer for that game. Because if they'd scored one or two, you know, the Russians could have come back. But those three goals were just gutting. And as well, um, having the goal peeled back as well, because there was that goal that was reversed. And yeah. that's there's some controversy. And as well, as much as I want to say, like, I am a Canadian, but I was kind of like, as much as, you know, it's great that the goal was reversed, it's a really dumb rule, the fact that a team can do that. Like, yeah. it's like, okay, did that offside affect the play? Like, if they scored the goal in the on that entry, then I would be like, yes, challenge it. But it was like 40 seconds after, you could yeah. easily could have cleared the puck, but you didn't. And then they're like, oh, he was like, how do they, like, the question is like, where did they draw the line? Anyways, that's just my little bit of it. Like as well, yeah, it, yeah, it made a slight difference. It would have been four to one and we would have won the game five to one and not shut out. But regardless, um, and again, even that goal was scored on the pet, like it was the Russians power play. So the Canada kept its streak alive of not allowing a five on five goal, which is impressive. But in regards to where the Russians go from here and the fact that kind of where they are in their program, it's tough because it's like, they didn't have a really a great tournament, you know, like they had an okay tournament, uh they they were average but i think it was maybe it was just a competition of the other teams that were just better than them in the fact that they had to play canada like if usa or finland played canada they probably would have lost and they would be fighting for silver so russia was just unlikely un- unlucky to have faced them and to go home like obviously between the usa and finland game which we'll get into as well later um that was a close game as well one of them either went home as well but i think in regards to where yeah, I don't know. It's it's tough for where Russia. I think they have to regroup a bit and they have to figure out okay what went wrong because clearly um, they took some they took some penalties. I think I don't know actually how many. I don't know if they took a lot of penalties or not, but I know there was um, one or two penalties that they took. So obviously staying disciplined is important, and just really the goaltending wasn't that great. Askarov did not really impress that much, and he for Nashville Predators for the prospect and those guys, they probably weren't like, Oh, we drafted this guy. Like, you know, he didn't show up like, because the world juniors is kind of where you show your draft worth. Like, you know, Hey, like, Hey, you picked me, I'm going to go out and do well. Or if you don't, it's like, Oh, well you, you maybe not making the camp, but I think they have to put him on there. Cause he is like, he, he was drafted so high. He was the back of goaltender. So he's probably going to be backing up to uh Pekka Rene. But I think that as well, like if you look at a lot of those goals, two of those goals were glove side, um, he kept losing his stick as well, which I think was just the oddest thing. I saw. Like, he just had, like, butter or, like, something on it that was just – and the worst part is, like, in the fact that when he was losing his stick, um, you know, when he was losing his stick, it would get kicked away accidentally by Russian players. There was, like, that one – it was, just, it was like, the third goal in the first period. It was a beautiful goal. The Russian, like, goalie lost his stick, and it, and it was – like, he was going to grab it, and then the Russian player just kicked it, like, without even realizing it somehow and just kicked it away, didn't give it back because he was so frantic. And then as well, I feel like with with when a goaltender doesn't have a stick, he's not set properly. Like he, he feels lost, no. and yeah. it's like a security blanket. Like having that stick as a security blanket, and yeah, it was his glove side as well. But it just it just doesn't weird. And as well, like on other goals, well, like he had a player stick. So that's just there's so many things that went wrong for the Russians. But you got to give credit to where what Canada did well. Like it's not like Canada played a bad game and Canada got lucky. Canada went there and dominated the Russians. They like they played a really good game. They had a few penalty troubles, which they can't have against the U.S., which is going to be um, crucial for them to stay out of the locks, considering the U.S. has a great uh, power play and penalty kill as well. So, but mostly like the like they're, they're the number one ranked power play. Um, so that's going to be important for Canada to stay out of the box. But yeah, those are kind of my overall thoughts. It was a really fun game to watch because you know, it was Canada destroying Russia, but it was kind of boring at the same point that in fact it wasn't close. Like it, it, I know it's not the greatest time to like you know have a boring game, but like. Compared to the USA Finland game, it was a it was a boring boring game to say the least. Yeah, that is totally fair. And 
I think it's it was quite interesting. I watched the game as well, and uh, I think ultimately you, one could make the argument: okay, if the goal doesn't get reversed, then it is uh, a five-one game. But the thing with that argument is, who knows how the momentum shifts, right? If if Russia, if that goal counts, who knows how the momentum shifts? Who knows if Canada gets their fourth or fifth goal after that? Who knows how the 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 pace of the game changes? How the face of the game changes? So many different factors there, and that's the thing: we'll never know. Like you can't, you can't play the what if game. That's what happened. And it's, it sucks because looking back at it, it is such a tough play to call. And it's kind of a dumb rule. The fact that they can go back like a half a minute basically and call it, call it back. But it also sucks because it was a leaf prospect. It was uh, Mikhail Abramov who scored the goal, which I was kind of upset about as well. But uh, still, I was happy Canada won. I, 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 I actually enjoyed this game. It was a bit boring in the sense that there, it wasn't as close as we were kind of hoping for. But it was just a dominating performance. Alex Newhook coming off injury uh, back in the lineup in this one, just continuing his tear, uh, scoring immediately off the start. He had an incredible first shift as a whole. Uh, Dylan Cousins was playing well. This team looked dominant all throughout. And Devin Levi, a, another just dominant, uh, dominant performance from him. His shutout streak continues. Hopefully that continues in the gold medal game, knock on wood. And uh, as far as the Russians go, it's quite interesting because, I mean, the, the, they'll play the bronze medal game against Finland and they'll, uh, that, I mean, they'll still try to win the bronze, obviously, but it sucks because it, uh, it sucks to come uh, out against in that game because it's like, you know, it's not as good as what you could have. And uh, as far as where the Russians go next year, the one bright side is uh, the fact that actually Askarov can come back next year. That's how young he was. He played last year. He played this year. Now he can play again next year. Uh, and I don't think he's going to be making Nashville anytime soon, not because of a pure talent, but because the way goalies develop is really weird. They take a lot longer than players do to really come into fruition. So uh, Nashville probably won't have him with the team for the next two years anyways. So they'll be fine letting him. Uh, go for his third third straight world juniors and go help Russia but also like they have like uh, they have like four other six defensemen uh, coming back next year they have a few uh, two forwards coming back as well I know all the Leafs prospects would be gone next year but um, they still have a few players coming back they still have a really good program over there and they still have their top goalie who it's interesting watching Askarov play because like you were saying with uh, with a goalie when he loses his stick it, it, it's not only a like security blanket type thing but it's also just like uh, it's just routine it's comfortableness it's also positioning right like the stick just makes sense right you're used to having that and as soon as you lose that then you lose almost a sense of confidence. You're saying you're, you're now thinking about it too. You're thinking about it. Okay. How can I get it back? How can I get it back while you're also trying to stop the puck at the same time? And it was so weird because Ray Farrar was getting so mad on the broadcast at Askarov for just losing his stick all the time. And it was so weird because you never see that in hockey. You occasionally see, you occasionally see the goaltender lose it once, but they'll lose as much as Askarov did. It was tough. And I think, for Askarov, I wonder if there was a bit of a sense of like overthinking and uh, like anxiety just because of a, what happened last year with the Canadian comeback and then uh, facing a really tough opponent and letting in that goal early. And I wonder if it just all kind of added up and he kind of crumbled a bit under the pressure. You got to remember these kids are all like, these kids are all 18, 19, 20. They're still young. So it's understandable that they're still trying to uh, understand dealing with the pressure. Cause that was probably the biggest game of his career right there. If not the gold medal game last year, uh, probably the gold medal game last year, but still um, that's a tough game. It's a tough position. And I think, I think he'll learn from this. His glove hand was also a bit shaky throughout the night. Uh, he just wouldn't like catch the puck. They were showing a lot of his stuff in warmups and the fact that he would get a hand, get a, get a glove to the puck, but he wouldn't like actually catch it, which I was a bit curious about, but Either way, I think uh, the Russians will have a bit more confidence next year uh, in Askarov, just getting him another year of development, coming back next year as well. They already have four of their six defensemen coming back next year who I think they already would pick this subsequent uh, next year to join their team. So I think they're pretty much already building a foundation, which I think is good for them. And who knows what Canada's roster will look like next year. Anyways, moving on into the other semifinal game where the USA topped Finland 4-3 to after a last-minute goal. This one was very exciting. Uh, it, start, it was a very back-and-forth game. Uh, the U.S. went up one nothing early. Then Finland answered right away. 
Uh, it was 1-1 until like second period. USA went up 3-1. Uh, then Finland came all the way back uh, with like, uh, they made it 3-2 just before the, just at the start of the third. Then they made it 3-3 off of a Leaf prospect. I can't remember his name right now. It wasn't Topi Niemela. It wasn't Miko Kokkonen. It was oh, trying to remember his name. I'm going to do some research in a second here. Um, but he scored the game tying goal again for the second game in a row because um, he scored the game winner against Sweden in the quarterfinals. Uh, and then, then uh, I'm trying to remember his name. Oh, it's going to bug it's, me. It's fine. Yeah, it's fine but, if you can't remember it, but uh, it was, yeah, it was nonetheless, it was a super exciting game. Um, the U.S. did actually give up two. It was really, it was interesting because the U.S. was leading three to one, and then they gave up really two bad penalties. It was like the the delay of game penalties, two straight, and Finland yeah. capitalized on both those, which made it a tie game. So I think that's definitely going to be an interesting talking point where going into this gold medal game, and obviously this is going to be this is recorded on Tuesday, so it'll be it will release be released after. But regardless, it'll be interesting to see if they can if they can clean it up or not. Um, if they will be able to clean it up if the uh, with the pen- with the penalty kill and stuff like that. So hopefully that is the case. Roni Hirvinen of the ah, Leafs tied it up. That's who it was uh, with like eight minutes left in the game. And then uh, Kaliev for the Americans scored with like a minute left to win the game. Uh, and then pandemonium after the Americans won. So it will be a America and Canada final, but uh where are the Finns, uh, Finns looking forward? Honestly, I, I don't think they did that bad. The only thing I was, I mean, I was shocked about how far they got just because like the Finns always stand to impress me because uh, of just their tenacity. And they're not usually seen as one of the big, uh, the big four. Uh, well, they, they can be seen as a big four, but most of the time it is just Canada, America, Sweden, Russia. Uh, and then Finland's kind of tossed in there depending on the year. So I think they'll be fine coming back next year. The only thing that surprised me a little bit was the fact that um, none of the Leafs pro- – this, is, this isn't even Leafs bias. It's just uh, I was surprised that neither Hirvonen nor uh, – uh, not again. Not again. He's, he's blanking again. He's blanking again. Come on, Evan. We should know this, man. <laughs> the Leafs prospects. Niemela, Niemela, Niemela. I was surprised he didn't get a tournament MVP for Finland because he was such a solid defenseman for him. I loved watching him play throughout the tournament um, because it never seemed like he had a bad shift. He was just a solid defensive defenseman that that was also very offensively minded. And they actually ended up giving it to the other Leafs defenseman, Miko Kokkonen, who was in the back end of their team there, um, which I which I was kind of surprised about the fact that he got it and not two other least prospects that did more in my opinion, but that's just the only thing that really surprised me. I mean, the Finns will come back strong next year. I'm sure of it. And uh, Hey, you never know how far the Finns will go. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm just glad the fact that there's six least prospects in the bronze medal game. I think that's going to be, uh, if, if Akidiamov gets in net for the Russians instead of Askarov, then Hey, that'd be a fun, uh, fun game to watch. And I think they actually are going to have, uh, Amirov and Abramov, the Russians, on the same line for tonight. Like, I don't know. That that's just my little, my little personal wins. But yeah, setting up Canada and America tonight as of recording this. We won't really give our predictions because obviously we want Canada to win, and as well, it's going to be over by the time uh, this episode. Yeah, but by, by the time this is released on on a Wednesday at a 10 a.m., it's not. It's going to be over. And the fact that Twitter, like, if we were to give our predictions, then people like were like, oh wow, they like you know, because we could be wrong or we could be right or not. Like, we could just pick yeah. Canada to win. Plus we're, like, we're going to say Canada. Like, right? We're obviously like, going to pick Canada to win. Like, we're not. Yeah. It's total like, and we will admit our bias. Like we're, we are Canadian. We're not going to pick the Americans to win. And it's factual that the Americans will lose like knock on wood, but yeah. Um, anyways, anyways, uh, that yeah. do you have any, do you have any other comments? Sorry. I kind of cut you off there. Uh, on the, no, I think with the Finns as well, I think they're always, a ten- like, yeah, like you said as well, they're always a tenacious team that are like Ray Ferraro's bet as well. They're, you can never underestimate the Finns, you know? You can, no. if you go into a game and you underestimate the Finns, you will lose that game. Like you will. Um, and I think there's been many teams that have done that this tournament. Like if you look at what Sweden did, like mm-hmm. Sweden was considered to be a top team and they underestimated them just the tiniest little bit. And they ended up losing that game. Um, obviously it was credit to the Finns. You know, they, they're a very good team. They're going to be good every like next year as well. They're coming back. It's going to be hosted again in Alberta 
um, because it's for the next yeah for, in Edmonton. I mean, yeah, it is in Edmonton. Um, the next two years, and I think then it goes abroad back to uh, I forget where where they're going next. Um, I don't know what next, but yeah. yeah anyways, whatever. yeah, it's it's yeah, Finland is always that team and always has been an exciting team to you know to crack into that top four and it's always exciting to see a different team other than usa canada russia win because pretty yeah. much the like in the last not 10 years i think they were actually showing it was if finland actually had i believe it was finland, finland has a few gold medals finland has three gold medals in the last yep. 10 years canada has three usa yep. has three and russia has one so honestly yep. i think that russia is almost kind of in my mind it's kind of that fourth team like it's kind of that 15 like yeah obviously they're they're like they're always yeah. really good but it's like this after this loss the five nothing loss to canada it's like can finland can can they crack in like the top into that final fourth team sweden's also there like they could they because sweden hasn't won in so long and like mm-hmm. the whole debate over the streak and now that's finally done and who knows man it's such yeah. a it, it's such a middle middle ground there, and I think any on any given year you could interchange those teams, and mm-hmm. it'll be interesting next year to see how the Swedes bounce back, even because after their streak got broken and now another first uh, another quarterfinal exit. Who knows, man? Also, yeah. as well, if Canada does win gold medal tonight, uh, as of recording this, uh, I think that's the, the this will be like the first back to back gold yeah, medal. Yeah, it's, it's the it's the first back to back because no one no one has ever won. No, 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 they have. Okay. Canada went on a streak in the 2000s of winning like five in a row. So that was the last time it's happened. So we could see Canada do that for the first time since then, but we shall see anyways. Alrighty, that wraps up our hot out of the oven segment regarding the World Juniors semifinal games between Canada and Russia and the US Finland game. Moving on into our NFL Week 17 recap, the Washington football team beat the uh, Philadelphia Eagles to win the NFC lead. I mean, NFC East division, uh, the giants who had beaten the Cowboys, uh, would have made it to the playoffs had Washington lost. Now there was some controversy over this Washington and Philadelphia game fans. And a lot of the giants players were upset that Philadelphia pulled quarterback Jalen hurts late in the fourth quarter, kind of tanking the game and just giving the win to the Washington football team. Players on the Eagles were also upset that Jalen hurts got benched. But the coach, uh, their coach kind of defended the move, saying that it was the right thing to do. Uh, so who is in the right here, Sam? Is it the fact that this was a bit of a dirty move by the Eagles to kind of throw this game? Or was it a, a, a move that has just kind of been misunderstood by the fans and by the players? Because obviously the Giants would be upset, but yeah. Here's here's the thing. Giants fans, you can just quiet. You can just shut up, honestly. You can shut up. You're 6-10. <laughs> you don't deserve to be in the playoffs. You're lucky enough that the NFC, the NFL didn't revoke the NFC's playoffs by Because there's better teams that could be in the playoffs right now. Like, honestly, Dolphins. what they should do is they should just have six NFC teams. No, seven, maybe yeah, six NFC teams and eight AFC teams. Because there's eight good AFC teams, including the Miami Dolphins, that could have made that as an eight playoff set. Have your... Have your uh well, yeah, eh. yeah. It would, it would only be fourteen playoff teams. You'd still have fourteen playoff teams, which is good enough because you can still have matchups. You can have some good cross conference matchups. But that NFC, that fourth seed, just does not deserve as well. Even to the Washington football, you know the Washington football team. They they played good. They went seven and nine. They almost went five hundred. They had a decent year. You know their defense is solid. Uh, but as well, like that's just the first thing as well. The second thing is the fact that fans were upset because you know Philly pulled. And it's like okay, listen, it's the last game of the season. The Philly like. The Eagles have nothing to play for. The only thing they have to lose for is for to gain three spots in the draft. And you know what? If they want to move up in the draft, and if Doug Peterson's like, you know what? If we're going to lose this game, um, then maybe, you know, like he he was thinking, but he was probably thinking about this, moving up those three draft spots because moving up those three draft spots is going to give Jalen, going to give Doug Peterson and the Eagles, you know, someone to throw the ball to Jalen Hurts or, um, you know, a decent defensive player or, you know, a good offensive lineman and stuff. Like whatever that is the case, they're going to pull, they're going to pick up somebody good. And so many teams have tanked. And even though the fact that, yeah, it's very obvious that they tanked, but what's new? Like, what are you going to do? Like, are you going to sit there and complain that the fact that, you know, Jalen Hurts was upset, but then again, if you look at his game stats, he threw, I believe it was seven completions for 20 attempts, 72 yards. He did have two rushing touchdowns on 34 yards. It was eight attempts. So he did have two rushing attempts. But the biggest problem was the fact that, and as well, the Eagles defense, you know, played pretty good. They allowed 20 points. Like, they allowed 20 points. They, they, you know, it was really just that one interception, which was the killer in the game. They had multiple chances to still win that game. Obviously, Nate Sudfield went in and didn't do great. 
But and it was it was kind of a rumor I heard before the game that Nuts Nate that a reporter asked like you know Doug Peterson he was like oh is Nate Sudfield going to field action or going to see action? He said yeah sort of and he was kind of like quiet about it. So there was some rumors possibly popping around here. Really, if you think about it, I think as much as I want to say it, the Giants fans aren't in the right. The Giants are not in the right. But Doug Peterson for tanking purposely just you know to gain three draft spots totally like I would say more. The Eagles are more in the right and Doug Peterson's more in the right because the fact that, yes, I know Jalen Hurts wasn't playing great and yeah, but what like if the Eagles were fighting for a playoff spot, if they were like closer to getting to a playoff spot, then it'd be like, yeah, it was a bad move. Like it, it was very much like a, comparing it to like the Blake Snell move. Like why would you do that to lose the game? So um, that's what I probably would. I compare it to is like, obviously he, he wasn't playing great enough, good enough to keep him in uh, up to Doug Peterson's standards. And I think that's probably why he pulled him. But even the fact that they just weren't playing for much, like they weren't, they weren't like, yeah, we want that, we want to win so that the Giants can go into the playoffs. Like we care about the Giants. Like, does he think he really cares about the Giants? No, he doesn't care about the Giants. Um, so I think the Eagles, I think Doug Peterson is in the right here. And the fact that Jalen Hurts was upset, you know, he was upset about being benched. Okay, well, if you're upset about being benched, play better, play to win the game. And as much as people say, because he was he 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 did come out and say he was playing to win the game, and maybe maybe playing Nate Sudfield wasn't the best move. Maybe keeping Jalen Hurts was in uh, was like if he said that. Now the fact that he did say that he was playing to keep playing to win the game, then keeping Jalen Hurts would have been the better move. But in the fact that if you're playing to tank, just come out and say it. Like if you're playing like yeah, we lost because you know he's not going to come out and say that though, because obviously then the NFL would find him for tanking. Um, so they would be like, he wants to, he just wants to downplay. But everyone knows, like, he could be hit with a tanking. Um, I'm trying to think if the NFL does. I think, yeah, the NFL does do that. But anyways, what are your thoughts? Because I'm sure you probably have lots of thought on this, thoughts on the whole thing as we were talking about this before the podcast. So, well, yes. First of all, I'm just putting this out there. I'm glad the Cowboys lost. Like, if the Cowboys had won, and then the Washington Football Team would have lost, I would have been great. We're in the playoffs. I don't really care that much. We weren't expected to do much anyways this season. The way we lost against the Giants is what it is it's the most cowboys way there's a lot of people making fun of us on twitter and social media and stuff like that to be honest i don't care the cowboys lost we have a really good pick now going forward and we'll have a healthy dak next season hopefully if he resigns that's the only worry i have but overall i'm happy that we lost because we have we have better for the we have built better for the future and that's fine we don't have to be all up in this drama Second thing is the Eagles point of view for this. Okay. You have a young, a young quarterback in Jalen hurts and you're going in through a, uh, a bit of a quarterback ro- rotation right now, because you don't know what, ha- what's going to happen with Carson Wentz. So because Carson Wentz is probably going to get traded because he's not happy there and they don't really want him there, which is understandable because it's Carson Wentz. Uh, they have been trying to figure out who their quarterback for the future is going to be. So they've had Jalen hurts in for a lot of times. And uh, as he is a good quarterback and a good young quarterback that's probably going to be their quarterback for the future you also have to see what you have for the rest of your team especially for the last week of the season in a game that means nothing for them they're gonna throw out their third string quarterback because hey it doesn't matter it's the last game of the season we want to see what our young prospects will look like for the future so they threw uh nate Sudman. i don't know who he is but they threw him out there just to get him some extra time right like if he's a third string quarterback he needs to at least play at some point in the season, right? Like, um, especially for a team that's rebuilding and going through a quarterback crisis right now, they don't know who they're going to be using for the future. You got to see what you got. And I think it was smart to have him at least go into a game. Secondly, for the Eagles, they don't owe the Giants anything. They don't know anybody. They don't owe anybody in this division anything. They didn't need to lose for the uh, for the Giants to make the playoffs. The Eagles didn't want to win because they would have gotten a better pick anyways. Like uh, like Sam was saying, they dropped three they dropped three picks because uh, because of the loss, and it ultimately benefited the Eagles to lose this game. There was no point in. It wasn't like they were going to go out and play spoilers just so the Giants could get in. It's the rival division. They don't care who gets in. They would prefer them to get in, but because they couldn't, it didn't matter to them whether they won the game. And as far as the Giants side of thing goes, ultimately, number one, the blunt way to put it, just do better next year if you really want to get into the playoffs that much. But ultimately, the fact that you didn't get into the playoffs is better, in my opinion, because you get a better pick now and you are rebuilding for the future. You're a young, you're a young team. And you're building for the future. It's not like you were going for the Super Bowl this year. And you would have been killed if you had made the playoffs. Like, you're, the Giants aren't a team that was going to the Super Bowl this year. Going to the playoffs is seen as, like, a status symbol right now. And that's great. But ultimately, if you're going to make it to the first round of the playoffs and lose, 
there's no point in being there really because you're just getting you're not only having a worse pick next year in a team especially for a team that's rebuilding you're gonna have a worse pick next year and what is it so the team nfl is gonna see this as oh the new york giants who made the team uh, made the playoffs at six and ten are gonna do a ton of damage in the in uh this year in the playoffs and Oh, we'll go into next year. Oh, wow, they were six and ten last year, but hey, they made the playoffs. They're a dangerous team. No one's gonna think that. You're the New York Giants. You're rebuilding for the future. You don't have much right now. Nobody is going to see. Nobody's gonna even look at Washington that way, unless they go somewhere, which I doubt. No one's gonna look at the winner of this division, the NFC least, and say, hey, they're gonna be a scary team next year depend because they won the division nobody's gonna think that this is the weakest division in football and because washington won it doesn't matter if you're a giants fan ultimately it doesn't matter you should have wanted to lose this game man you would have had a better pick if you did and nobody's gonna care you're gonna you would have been killed in the first round by i believe the buccaneers is who they would have played and it like there's no point the fact that you made the first round is not it's too much of a status symbol It doesn't matter that you made the first round. You're going to get killed. It's not something to be proud of if you barely made the playoffs and just went there to get embarrassed. You're going to get embarrassed if you had made the playoffs. It's better better for you to not because you get a better pick. The Giants, the Eagles ultimately did you a favor because – you're going to get a better pick now. You're going to, you're as a rebuilding team. That's what you want. You want the best player available. And because you have a better pick now, that's something you want is a build, a build for a better future. And you would have been embarrassed. There would have no point to have been there. You had no right to be there. And nobody's going to think of you any better because you made the playoffs uh, next year. Like if you made the playoffs this year, next year, nobody's going to say, oh, wow, I'm so scared of the Giants because they won the NFC East with a six and 10 record. Nobody's going to care. It was pointless for them to win the division. It's better that they lost for the future. And that's all that matters right now. And the fact that Washington made it, I don't even know if Washington necessarily wanted to make it. Nobody in this division wanted to make it. That's why they had such a losing record. And I think the only team that would have wanted to make it is the Cowboys. But at this point, they lost hope in that after the, after the week where Dak got hurt. It didn't matter to the Cowboys anymore. The Eagles, they're, they're going through a quarterback crisis. It didn't matter to them. Nobody wanted to win this division. And that was pretty clear from the onset. So the fact that Washington won it is not a necessarily good thing. Unless they can somehow become Super Bowl contenders magically, it's not going to matter. They don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl at all, in my opinion. And it's just now they have the worst pick in the division. It's, it's all that it is. And I think the fact that the Cowboys lost is the best thing for them. The fact that the Eagles lost is the best thing for them. And the fact that the Giants lost, despite everybody being upset over it, it is the best thing for them as well. Yeah, and one quick thing as well, just kind of looking at the draft order for this year. Um, so, yeah, the Eagles are the sixth pick. The Cowboys have the 10th pick. The Giants have the 11th pick. And I don't see the Washington football team in – yeah, picks 19 to 13 are currently held teams. Yeah, so they, they probably have be – yeah, they're, they're, they're 19th or above. I, I don't know what exactly pick they are, but in regards – They'd probably like, be 19th because they'd have yeah, the they, worst record. Yeah, they'd, the yeah so they'd be, they'd, they'd be the 19th yeah. pick. So. And as well, like if you look at the draft and so like the Eagles picking sixth overall is now a win now because even though the yep. fact, okay, let's see, because you got Jacksonville, New York, Miami, Atlanta, and Cincinnati. Okay, so Jacksonville's probably going to take a quarterback. New York might take a quarterback. Dolphins are probably going to take an old lineman or a receiver. Um, Falcons probably will take me like a defensive lineman, O line receiver. Bengals, um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, Bengals would take anybody. Uh, and the Eagles, again, if you if you trust Jalen Hurts, then you're not going to be picking a quarterback because that'd just be stupid because I'd be like, that would make no sense for them. It'd be like the most Eagles thing to do. Okay, Carson Wentz, okay, we're going to we're gonna draft Jalen Hurts now. Okay, now with the sixth pick, we're going to pick another quarterback. No, they're obviously going to pick someone else, um, like a lineman, or I don't know exactly, maybe a receiver would be good for him to be. But anyways, I just wanted to quickly – Even a running back, the Eagles need anybody, man. Yeah, they need <laughs> anybody. They need somebody to help Jalen Hurts because clearly – because you, the reason why is, is you're putting a lot of pressure on a young rook, a, a rookie quarterback as well. No matter he's a rookie, he's a rookie quarterback, um, Jalen Hurts, who yes went in the second round because you know because of like issues and stuff. Like he wasn't as highly prospected as like other quarterbacks as well, like a Joe Burrow, um, or some other quarterbacks that as well went earlier. But regardless, um, yeah, it's it's interesting to say the least. So, but uh, yeah. Alrighty, that wraps up our NFL Week 17 recap regarding the debacle with the NFC least division.
moving on into our next segment, we have an NBA early season recap. We are now two weeks into the NBA. Uh, Sam, what is the team that has most surprised you? What is the team that has most disappointed you? And what struggling team do you think will bounce back for the rest of the season? Because it is still very early on into this, even though it's shortened 10 by 10 games. It's still very early on into the season. Uh, this pains me to say this, but uh, the most disappointing team obviously has to be the Toronto Raptors for me. And I think it, it's probably for a lot of fans because it's like, I don't know, it, maybe it's more disappointing because the fact that we did lose Serge and we did lose Marcus All enough, it's disappointing. But I expected us to be a little bit better than one in five. Like I expected something a little better. I'd be fine with being like four and three or like, you know, three and four, like, or like four and three with a winning record. That'd be okay for me. Like I'd be, be happy, you know, win, win, win four games, lose three, but to be one in five through six games, isn't looking great for me. What team has surprised me the most? If you look at, I'm trying to put the NBA standings here right now. Early on, just really early on, I want to say the magic is surprising me at five and two. And the fact that they're just surprising me, the fact that I don't really see them like, yeah, Marco, Marco Fultz is coming around. Like he's starting to come around. He's starting to play a lot better. So that's good for him. Um, many, some have considered him possibly like early MIP, you know, like most improved player, but you know, there's also other debates as well for DiVincenzo or Chris Boucher. Cause he's been, he's been doing well, despite the Raptors struggling, um, at 14th place and one in five, that would probably be my most, uh, surprising team, the magic. And also I want to say the Suns. the Suns, despite be like they're five and two. And despite even adding Chris Paul, they just seem to really, They've really put it together, and I think adding Chris Ball has been a huge pickup for them and a huge bonus um, with uh, Chris with Devin Booker and having DeAndre Ayton there is huge as well. So I think that's one of those are my most most two surprising teams. And in terms of which struggling team I think can bounce back, as much as I feel like it's it could not happen, but I think that the Raptors have the best chance out of all the struggling teams to bounce back between the Pistons, the Raptors, the Wizards, the Hornets. Um, those struggling teams or like the Grizzlies, the Timberwolves and the Thunder, maybe the Thunder have a good chance of bouncing back, but I'd say probably between the Raptors and the Thunder are the two teams in my mind that just uh, seem to be, have the best chance at bouncing back. Because when you look at the Raptors games, again, they've led, they've led in all their games. I'm pretty sure they've had leads in every single yeah, game. They've had a 10 point lead in every game. They've, they've had a 10 point lead in every single game. Um, and the fact that is better, we just can't seem to play consistently good. It's like we have, we get off to a good start and that's fantastic, but I don't care how good you start. You could score 20 points. Like you could score 40 points in the first quarter, but then score like 18. They scored 34 in, or it was, yeah, it was 32, 32 in the first quarter. Or maybe it was even higher, but then they scored like 10 or like 14 in the second quarter. Like it was just, it was a complete flip and it was just not good. Boston, just again, they're a good team, but they had a lot of key players out. They weren't even fully healthy, and we lost by like four. We lost by twelve points, and I was like, okay, we had a fully healthy Raptor team. Raptor team versus their like pretty much secondary or like their backup sort of because their full team wasn't even fully there, and we lost, and it was just not good. But regardless, I think they have the best chance at um, um, at at at. Uh, bouncing back and not uh, getting into, you know, a playoff position, even if it's in like the eighth or seventh seed, I don't care. Um, yeah. That's, that's, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I think the team that has most surprised me is see it's, it's interesting because it surprised me, but it hasn't surprised me because I thought they were going to be a bit underrated into this go, uh, into the season uh, coming in is the Phoenix Suns. Like, uh, like you said, um, just the play of Chris Paul has really impacted Devin Booker. I have Devin Booker in fantasy. He's been killing it for me. I've been very happy with the Suns' performance so far. Five and two is a bit better than I, you know, I was expecting. That's why I have them as surprising, but also not surprising because I knew they would be better than people think. Uh, and I'll get to the Raptors in a sec, but I think another team that is struggling that could bounce back, not necessarily struggling, but uh, like you said, the Thunder could be a team that is definitely going to bounce back, I think. And I think the Nuggets, Nuggets haven't had the greatest start to this season. I think they can, def they will definitely bounce back as time goes on. But listen, with the Raptors, right? It's an interesting thing because to be quite honest with you, Sam, I've watched pretty much every game. The only game I didn't watch was the Celtics game because I was too busy watching Canada destroy Russia. I'm going to be completely frank with you here. The only real game we've fully lost this is just me completely watching the games because yes the raptors have struggled shooting yes the raptors have struggled working together as an offense their defense has looked a bit shaky for some players 
to be quite honest with you, this Celtics loss is the first real loss the Raptors have had. To be quite honest with you, looking at the rest of the games they've lost, the Raptors, it's going to sound so biased of me to say this, but looking at the Raptors games that they've had so far this year, you cannot tell me that, yes, I know they have shooting problems. Yes, I know they have defensive problems. Yes, I know they're not working as a team. I don't care about that. I know you can call me ever the optimist, but looking at just the straight facts of these uh, of the losses they've had so far, the refing has been terrible against the Raptors. Terrible. I'm talking the worst one was in the second Pelicans game there where they had 28. The Pelicans had 28 free throws in the fourth quarter. The Raptors had 26 for the entire game. It was ridiculous how many calls the Pelicans would get. And the Raptors, they've had the criticism, oh, they're not driving into the paint enough. Oh, they need Serge Ibaka who can get them out of ruts and stuff like that. But when they're driving into the paint, they're not getting a single call. And then Pascal the other night in that same Pelicans game, he got called for, uh, he fouled out in that game with like eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Three of his fouls, at least, he never touched anybody on any of the fouls. Of, sorry, he didn't touch anybody on those three fouls in specific, especially the sixth one. If you watch back the replay, he did not touch Zion. It was so, the refing this year has been atrocious against the Raptors. And I know, I know everything they've had problems shooting wise. I know everything about that. I get it. They need, they need a Baca back. I, I get that argument. I know they need a, a Gasol back. I get that. But they're not here anymore. I know this Raptors team needs to step up. I know it's going to take a bit for them to get out of this rut. I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet. I don't think it's time to trade for James Harden and trade Siakam. Although Siakam has looked meh this season so far. It's not time to hit the panic button yet. I think the Raptors are fine. They, yes, they do have some kinks they work, need to work out. But it's six games into the season, man. Think, teams have come back from worse, to be quite frank with you. And... I think overall, like the refing, man, that Pelicans game is the worst defense for it, but there has been some shoddy, shoddy refing this year. And I know the whole argument of, oh, the Raptors won game, they won without Siakam because he was sitting out against the Knicks. The Knicks are a team they should beat, and they did. And if you look at a lot of the Raptors games and the first few early on in the season, like the first Pelicans game was close. The second the Spurs game was, was close. Like, it's not like they're getting blown out all night. They're in games. They are fighting still, no matter if they blow leads or if it's like, or if they lose the game, it's still close. I'd be more concerned if they were getting blown out by 20 every night. I get the morale is low. I get everything they've had problems shooting, but these are still the Raptors. They still have fight in them. They still have that championship DNA in a lot of them. Kyle Lowry, I can't say a single bad thing about so far this season. Same with Fred Van Vliet. Both of them have been solid. I love the play of Chris Boucher. I want to see Malachi Flynn get in a bit more games, but it's I, I don't think it's time to hit the panic button yet for the Raps. I think they can bounce back. I don't – I'm and I, you can call me forever the optimist. I don't care. But I think the Raptors are fine at this point. Yes, they've had, lost, five, uh, lost five games, but I think the Celtics one was really their first true loss of the season. And that's to a good team. I'm not upset about that. This is a, this is a Celtics team that is supposed to be dominant. Jason Tatum has had his number – uh, had our number for throughout his entire career. I'm fine with them losing to the Celtics. It's just they got to get their morale back. That's the only thing right now. And we got to start getting some calls because that's frustrating me as well. Yeah, I, I would agree with you to some point. I think that the uh, the officiating hasn't been the greatest and hasn't been going as well. But it, especially in that New Orleans game, looking at the fact that they did have total of 36 out of 47 free throw attempts and the fact that yeah, you know, like you need to be aggressive or you need to, well, the, pro, the biggest problem is that we don't have a guy that gets calls. Like, you know, we don't have a LeBron James who, or like when we had Kawhi, Kawhi would go down there and get calls. We don't have that guy. Like we, we will go in there, but no referee will recognize, um, okay, it's this guy going in. We're going to give him a call. Like when you watch LeBron play or when you watch Kawhi play or when you watch um, any other play, like a James Harden go in there, he'll get that call nine times out of 10. He will get that call because he's a big physical player. And he's like, yep, he's clearly being fouled because it's a hard to stop him. But the hardest part is that there would be fouls and stuff that would clearly be fouls, but the ref would be like, and again, I haven't watched every single Raptors game. Um, 
so like I, 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 I don't think I've really, I've been busy cause, uh, watching because i just don't have cable and so i can't really watch a lot of them but regards I've, I've tuned a few in here and there as well again there's been close games we lost by the spurs by five we lost the sixers by seven the new orleans game yeah we lost by 14 but again that was the first game of the season it was tough um lost by new orleans by four 121 16 close game again the loss by boston was 12 it wasn't it wasn't a big loss we don't we didn't get blown up by 20 um are you saying something go ahead I was just going to say, by the way, going back to quickly before you continue your point, going back to the superstar calls for a second here. The fact that Zion Williamson is getting superstar calls like 30 games into his career is absolutely ridiculous in my mind. It is atrocious how many calls he gets. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm putting that out there. It is ridiculous how many calls he gets, and it's ridiculous how many free throws he misses, ironically. It's, but yeah, I'm it's just interesting as well. And I think I just, I, I recently saw a report as well that apparently the Pelicans are, no, I think it was a, it was a report from, it was like, I was from an article from the score and they were talking about like early, like 15 notable things, you know, about like the first two weeks of the NBA. One of the things was the Pelicans need to demand more to Zion. Like Zion is getting the fact that he's getting what you call superstar calls. And it is a thing in the NBA. It's like, you know, top superstars do get calls, go their way. Like when he had Kawhi on our team, he would go to the rim and get that call nine times out of 10 because he's a big physical player. Sometimes not always. And sometimes he would argue and then, you know, it would give us some time and we would get that call. But if you look at a player like LeBron James, James Harden, Giannis Antetokounmpo, those three guys, they probably get to the line so many times and they get that call every time. And the fact that Zion Olsen is getting that call, yeah, it's surprising for him, but it's just shocking the fact that teams are like, okay, like the refs are like, he's a big physical, like he's a big physical guy and it's hard to stop him and it's easy to foul him, but it's just not every time. Like there's other times where it's not a foul or it's a good defensive play, but they're still giving him that call because he yeah, is I can that- barely touched him on most of his fouls. Yeah, again, like I didn't see those, so I don't, I can't really relate to those. But if you watch them, and like you know, many people have agreed with that as well. Like many Raptors fans agreed, and it's not, and we don't want to turn this into like a whole Raptors segment. We're just kind of focusing on this fact that they're one in five as a disappointing start. But again, if you look at a lot of those games, they're close. Yes, they did blow a lot of the games, but as well, Nick Nurse has been super critical, and I think that Nick Nurse being super critical, like I've read some of his comments and stuff that he said, the fact that he's called out certain players, he's put in like he wants to put in. Um, Stanley Johnson in that as that backup uh, forward shooting guard position over like you know Malachi Flynn over or like you know um, another Pat player Thomas or, Pat Thomas or yeah. Terrence Davis. Um, OG Anobi really hasn't been he's been inconsistent no. like he's been he's um, been he's terrible been, he's been terrible. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing where he needs to step up like and as well it's just. The money has gotten to him, I think. The money has absolutely gotten to him with the fact that he signed a big contract. And that we saw we saw a similar thing with kind of Pascal. Like, yeah, he did good during the regular season, but come playoff time, you know, he just didn't do great, obviously. Um, but now it's like he's averaging 11.7 points per game, 5.7 rebounds. That's not what you get out of it. That's what you should be getting out of a guy who's playing 29, 36 minutes. Like, you know, he should be getting at least you 15, 20 points a night. 15 to 20 points a night, and I'd be happy. Yeah, I understand it's hard when, you know, a guy like Fred Van Vliet goes off for 36 points, but regardless, you should still have, you should be able to hit your shots. And as well, the biggest thing that I look at as well, okay, he has 10 points. What is he shooting? Is he shooting effectively? Is he shooting, are those 10 points on like five shots or are they on like, he's like three for 11 or like four for 11. He's got some free throws, you know, how effective is he shooting? Because that's what, that's an important thing that you have to look at as well. Not only um, his point percentages and how, like how effective is he shooting the three, how effective OG Nobi has not been good for me. Um, In regards to fantasy, Pascal Siakam's been okay for me. He's been again, he's getting me some okay fantasy points, but the hardest problem is it's like, I'll, I'll be playing a guy and like, he's just playing like, you know, they're playing each other and stuff. So it's kind of sucks, but it is what it is. But anyways, going back to the segment. Yeah. It's, 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 it's struggling to see them. It's sad to see them struggling. They go, they do have a big West coast trip coming up where they play. I mean, look at their schedule. Yeah. They play like the Warriors at one point. Yeah. They play the Phoenix first. Then they play golden state. Then they got, yeah, what do they got here? Let me just get, yeah, let's see. They've got Phoenix, Sacramento, Golden State, Portland, and then they're home against Charlotte twice, home against Dallas, home against Miami, Miami. So then then again, Miami is really home for them. It's just Orlando, or they're in Tampa, I mean. But regardless, it is a West Coast trip. West Coast trip. Um, so that's going to be, I think this trip is going to be big. If we can win three out of the five games, I will be happy. You know, if we can, if we can come out here four and six, 
Like be four and six, just win through or oh, sorry, four and seven, maybe even four out of the five games would be perfect. You know, go four and one or three and two would be good. But if we can come up here four and seven, I think that would be, uh, that would be really big. You know, yeah, it's a four and seven record, but you know, we just, we just peeled off three wins in a row and like, you know, or like three wins out of five out of a West coast trip out of against some very decently good teams. You know, you got Phoenix who's been playing well, Golden State who's been up and down, but they're doing all right. Sacramento. All right. Portland's good you know like all decent teams that should you know give the raptors a challenge and the fact that if we can beat these teams i'll be excited you know i'll be happy and i'll have some hope um i i don't know if i'm too early to hit the panic button again but i do have some criticism that doesn't i do have some worry to be uh to fix about nonetheless moving quickly into our last topic of the day we have nhl training camps which have opened up around the league with the regular season forthcoming in the next week and a half. Most teams have announced their rosters and the hype for the season has begun. The NHL, however, has received some mixed feedback over some new sponsorships ideas as a way for the league to make a bit of extra cash uh, with the COVID with COVID happening and them losing a lot of money over the past year or so. Uh, so some teams now have sponsored logos on the side of their home and away helmets. The Leafs, for example, have a pretty clean looking Scotiabank logo on the side of their uh, home and away helmets, uh, which look pretty nice, if I uh, if I might add. Uh, and other teams have, like, I think the Penguins have PPG on theirs, which frankly doesn't look like it belongs, but I digress. Uh, and each realigned division for this year is also officially sponsored, as the NHL announced today as of recording this. So there will be the Scotiabank North Division, the Honda West Division, the Discover Central Division, and the Mass Mutual East division. So Sam, this has been a bit of a debated topic. Um, just what are your thoughts? Are we okay with the NHL doing this? Are we okay having this be coming a thing slowly into our, uh, into our league? Well, uh, it's interesting because from like, you know, I'm just going to kind of like give like any little example. So I took like a sociology of sport class this past semester in school. And one of the things they talked about, like, you know, what was like an example is the fact that the Toronto renamed uh, this like Toronto, like the Raptors, they're like, okay, we're not going to call it the AC any, ACC anymore. We're going to call it the Scotiabank because Scotiabank is like, we'll pay you a bunch of money to have your name there. So I think what's happened is that these, you know, Scotiabank, Honda, Discover, the, the credit card company, Mass Meet, are like, we'll give you money to put our name on your, because we know you need money and we want, you know, it's a, it's an agreement deal, right? So it's where the world is becoming the fact that, and again, you know, with COVID, if COVID wasn't a thing and the teams weren't cash up, we probably might not have seen this because the NHL would have been making full profit. But the fact that we are in this state where they're losing money and they lost a lot of money and they're trying to salvage as much money as possible. I think it's the move that the NHL is doing so that we can have hockey and we can have these things. And, you know, we can try to get back to normal as possible. Uh, again, we're gonna, still going to be in mini bubbles, but the fact that again, you know, like they're in certain mini doubles, but I think it's, it's interesting to say the least. I think I'm okay with this. I can understand where they're coming from. They want to make money. They need to make money. Um, it's not like, it's not the greatest thing, like having the actual, like um, the stickers on the side and stuff. Cause we see like, if you watch like the world juniors and stuff, each team has like a, like a brand and stuff like each or each country, not team each. Well, yeah. Each team and country has like a brand. So Canada is like, tell us Americans were like, um, I forget. Yeah. They were like Chipotle, you know, Russia was toy. Are you? So again, like, you know, something just on the side and something on the helmets and stuff is um, it's part of the game. You know, they need to make money and they need to have funding. And if the fact that these companies and uh, organizations are willing to give the money, to, uh, give money to the NHL to say like, Hey, listen, like we'll give you X number of millions and millions of dollars, you know, however much it is. Um, again, it, it could be super beneficial to the NHL having success this season and having the ability to try to return, have hockey return as normal. And again, then maybe then for next year, once uh, things have calmed down a bit, you know, everyone's got the vaccine. We might have a few fans in the stadiums uh, and things might get back to normal. Then maybe, you know, we can just forget about this or they might continue this. That's, that's the biggest question. Again, if they're going to continue, if, if it's just a one-year deal thing, that's what's interesting as well. Yeah, I think uh, overall, like, I understand why the fans were a bit worried about this originally. I mean, uh, I was even worried myself, to be quite honest with you, uh, about what this could mean, about uh, what they might look like and stuff like that. But seeing now a lot of the designs teams have gone for, uh, the like, the ones that the Leafs have, it is clean looking. I don't mind it at all. You barely notice it when you are, like, actually viewing the game, uh, especially on TV. You barely notice it. But up close, you can see it a bit more, and it still looks very clean. 
Uh, the only ones that I'm not okay with are the ones that look like just weird on there. Like the fact that the penguins, right? They're black and they're black, yellow, and white is their team, three team colors. And the PPG logo on their helmet is like blue for some reason. And that's the only thing that like doesn't sit well with me necessarily. It's fine. I don't really notice it that much, but it's just like, that's the only thing that I was worried about as a fan is it would look a lot like what we have with the world juniors where like they have like the, just the nameplate on the front of the helmet that looks kind of weird or, or something like that. But for a lot of the teams, I think it's fine. I think it actually looks really fine, uh, like really clean. And I think with the divisions, it's fine. People are barely going to remember that to be quite honest with you, the fact that they're sponsor, uh, sponsored, sponsoring each division, but it's, I think overall, it's just the NHL's way of making some money back after all the money they lost over COVID and the fact that they don't have fans in a lot of the stands. And I'm totally fine with it. I get what the NHL is doing. It's a business. And for most teams, it looks fine. I don't, I don't, we won't notice it throughout the year, but for a few teams, it, it can be a kind of a, a bit, uh, looks like it not, it's not supposed to be there necessarily, but overall, I'm totally fine with it. It's just, it's business, man. You got to do what you got to do to make money in this league. And I don't know if we'll ever reach the level of a lot of the uh, European leagues where you have like full jerseys just decked out in sponsorships or helmets covered in them. But for now, it's what the NHL has to do to make money. And I think that's fine. It's a business and they have to recover some of the money they lost at some point. And I think this is the best way to do it so far this year is through sponsorships. Yeah, it would be it would be funny if like a few years from now, like like Toronto Maple Leafs jerseys are just covered in like different sponsors and stuff from Canada. It's like Telus, <laughs> Rogers, Bell, like or like maybe not like that, but like just have like a bunch. It just looks I don't think really they'd have weird. All three on one jersey. Yeah, no, they they wouldn't have like all three, <laughs> but they'd have like they'd have like Rogers. They probably actually no, they probably do Rogers maybe one, um, and then a bunch of other ones as well. But it's just like I mean, it's, it's funny as well there, the fact that the Americans were sponsored by Chipotle. That was actually kind of funny because it's like they just yeah. Chipotle sticker on it and it's like ah the americans run on chipotle <laughs> like they're powered by chipotle they're just like you know that's all the american players eat they're, that's all they're eating just you know it's just chipotle. <laughs> something um, that tells be, me i don't know if that's the case but <laughs> no i don't i don't think that's the case as well but um it'd just be funny to say the least but i think yeah like as well one last one before i just want to talk about is like the biggest thing with like fans like obviously if it if it doesn't look good then yeah like with the pbg logo again with the uh on the top of the penguins it just doesn't look right like it just looks out of place the fact that again because they can't they can't change the color because then, then that's changing the logo. You know, that's pretty much yeah. then the league is like, okay, the, the, the company's like, okay, you're not using our logo. You're using like a different variant of our logo, which isn't our logo. And then it's not identical, identifiable, but regards to, yes, yeah, it's, it's just what the NHL has got to do. Like as well, the NHL has got to make money and they've got to recoup money and they will do it any way possible. And the fact that it's, you know, they have these sponsored divisions and stuff. Uh, it's going to be interesting to say the least as well. So, like I guess would that would that mean then like if like each division champion would it just be then the Scotia North Division champion like would that would that yeah uh, I think it would, would be. be I think it would be yeah yeah I guess I guess that's what it is and stuff like we we don't really see that anywhere else but we see that on like we don't see that anywhere else in the major four leagues between like you know baseball soccer foot uh baseball hockey football and basketball and stuff we don't have like a sponsored like in the ncaa and stuff you see that because there's there's big sponsorships there there's even a sponsorship for like warner ladders for like the official ladder of the of the ncaa like it's it's crazy how much sponsors they have and i don't think the nhl like needs to go down that road and stuff because they make so much money but it, if the if covid continues to be a serious issue and you know we we don't see increase in numbers and whatever like the cases and we consider to be in this these issues then I don't know. It's, it's highly unlucky, but I could see possibly them going to like more, more sponsorships um, to make more money, to try to recoup more money. All righty. That wraps our, up our NHL training camp segment regarding the sponsorships that the, uh, the new sponsorships, the NHL has rolled out for this upcoming season. That wraps up this episode of season two of on the rise podcast. You should follow our Instagram at rise podcast. Listen in on midtownradio.ca. And visit our website on the risepodcast.ca. We will see you on Saturday.